Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today I have Jess Milanis on the podcast. She is an expert fertility coach for women looking to conceive. She began her own journey as a fertility coach as she was trying to get pregnant. Jess helps women get pregnant by teaching holistic fertility methods. She helps her clients end the stress and enjoy their fertility journey. When she's not working with clients, she's working on her podcast, um, Real Talk Women's Health and Fertility, and she's dedicated to spreading awareness on women's health issues and letting women know that they are not alone. So welcome, Jess. Super excited to have you here today. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. And so we have a very important topic uh, that we're going to discuss today. I have a little bit of a twist on it as well. Um, All about fertility, especially when it comes to your own journey, your experience, and, you know, how you help women do, you know, conceive today. So I really want to start off with hearing about your story because I've looked into it a little bit. I read a little bit about your story, and it's a little bit similar to mine in terms of we've gone through our own struggles. We want to help women go you know, not go through the same struggles and achieve success in the results that they want. So how did you come about to becoming a fertility coach and what was your story like? Sure. So let me get started with my story. Um, So I am a woman in her early thirties by all um, sense of the word. I'm healthy. Like I don't really have any known issues. And I had this idea that when I was going to start trying to get pregnant, that it was going to be super fast. And like basically month one, I was going to get pregnant. And just because I thought that that's the way it was, like, that's what we hear about. That's what we see on TV. Um, That's a woman's fear for her entire life, if I can say it like that, um, that she will get pregnant unexpectedly. And so I... um, started, we started trying and flash forward to two years later and I still have not gotten pregnant. Well, I got pregnant once and I had a miscarriage. Um, and it was a very, very early pregnancy. And so I realized that there was just this space for women that were kind of in the in-between that they had been told their whole life that they were going to get pregnant with ease. And they have been told time and time again that they're healthy and everything's fine, but they still can't get pregnant. And how frustrating and confusing and overwhelming that can be. So I decided to step into that, that void and really support women in their um, journey about learning about their body at a time when they have to learn so much and there's so much emotion in it. Amazing. So I have a lot to talk about today. Um, and I really love how you're, we're going to talk about like the emotion side of it and the mindset and just how we have so much pressure around it too. And I totally agree. Um, even when it comes to understanding our cycle and fertility, I think a lot of us, even me, when I was growing up, it was just like every day you can get pregnant. That's why we have to go on birth control, etc. We just don't understand our bodies. You can only actually get pregnant for like six days of the month maximum. Um, but we're just not taught this. And, 
it's really disempowering to us as well as women. So when we start to understand our bodies, it's just like a breath of fresh air. But of course, we do have these struggles as well. A lot of people think that they're going to come off the pill, they're going to get pregnant right away, but then they realize, no, it might be a little bit more challenging. Um, it can take up to a few months to a, for a few years. It really depends on the person and you have your own experience with that. So when you were going through it, what were the different stages? Because you said you were, you've been trying for two years now? Yes. So was the, how did the phases kind of change in your own fertility experience? Like at the beginning, I can imagine, I guess there was a lot of confusion, frustration. Then maybe did you get into the research or did you, you know, reach out for help? Did you start using different um, strategies? What did that look like for you? So when I first started, I like had the blissful ignorance of a young child, basically. Like, I just thought, okay, we're going to just have sex a lot, and this is just going to be what will happen. Um, and, like, I remember, because I work remotely, and I remember going into the office, and I'm, I'm just, like, one of those people that's very boisterous and loud, and, and I... I like to share what's going on in my life. And so I walked into the office and I was like, this year I am going to have a baby. And I did it, nothing happened. And so like, I started out with this bravado and this excitement and just this, like, I'm going to rock this. I can do anything. And then as time went on, I started you know, my ego got bruised. Like I realized, oh, I, I can't control this. This is something beyond me. It's happening inside me, but it's kind of like beyond me in a way. Um, and I can't dictate the month that I'm going to get pregnant. So I transi transitioned from that into more of a like um, desperate space, I guess is the best way to call it. Um, I was really concerned. I you know, was using like four or five different apps. I spent $300 on a bracelet. I um, was peeing on sticks basically every single day just to track my ovulation. And, and what that then, what occurred through that is I was so stressed out that I wasn't getting regular periods anymore. And so I had to take a step back from that and I really started learning about the body and I, I started learning about how to go in the flow of my body and accept that it's going to happen when it's going to happen. And I can use the information that I became obsessed with gathering, but I don't need to become obsessed with implementing that. I love it. I love everything you said. And I think this is something that's not talked about a lot either. Um, and it does put a lot of pressure on women, especially even when it comes to like, we're just supposed to be fertile, like right away when we're ready. And then we're not even looking at, for instance, men's health, because obviously we need two human beings to make a baby. So I think that's also not mentioned. But yeah, there is definitely a lot of pressure and misunderstanding on society. And then it's definitely going to be emotionally overwhelming. And a lot of women just have a very hard time dealing with that. So yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the basics of understanding fertility, because I think that's very important when it comes to being ready to have a baby. And if you are actually trying to conceive um, the myth of ovulation, for instance, I'd love for you to talk a bit about that. As I mentioned before, we're not fertile every day of the month. 
Um, but a lot of women kind of think day 14 ovulation, or maybe they track their period so that they know when they ovulate, but that's, as you know, not an accurate way to track ovulation. So can you talk a little bit about the day 14 ovulation myth? And then when are we actually fertile? Sure. So I heard this really great quote recently, and I can't claim it as my own, but I wish I had said it, um, where they said, your period isn't late, you just ovulated later. And I was like, oh, snap, that is good. Because just like you said, we are told when we start looking into ovulation and fertility that on day 14, you are fertile. Like that is the day of ovulation. That's your peak ovulation. And that is something that was, came up in like the 1950s by some male doctor. There's just, it's a, it's an average. It's not a, a universal truth for every single woman out there. And you know, that's the thing with the apps too, is like the apps are going to show you the average. They're not going to show you your unique being and your unique um, chemistry. And, and there's so many things, and I know you know this, that go into a woman's cycle and can impact it. And so to say that day 14 is the day of ovulation is one of the biggest misconceptions, I think, of fertility. Um, and I think that you really need to take the time to learn the signals in your body. And there's a couple of different ways to do that. Um, one is basal body temperature. I personally don't use that uh, because it doesn't work for my lifestyle. I wake up a lot at night. I have a dog and he like shifts around and when you take your basal body temperature, you're supposed to take it the moment you wake up. Um, and so that just doesn't work for me. It might work for some people, but it doesn't work for me. The, another thing that you can do is you can literally feel your cervix. Um, and based on its position, then you know when you're ovulating. Um, you can look at your cervical mucus. And basically when it's an egg white texture, that's when you are at peak ovulation. Or you can go a different route and you can start peeing on ovulation prediction kits. And that's what I have personally chosen to do um, so that I know when I'm going to ovulate or, or I have like a good idea of the days leading up so I can increase the frequency with which I am with my husband. I'm glad that you mentioned that too because a lot of people say like tracking your period, um, doing the temperature. That's what I do, the temperature and cervical mucus. Um, but there are different ways you can go about it as well. It's really important, um, if, especially if you're using it for contraception, that you're doing it correctly. Um, but when it comes to fertility and pregnancy and, you know, understanding when you're fertile the most, there are definitely different ways you can do it. And of course, not everything works for each person. Um, so that's really important. But I want to talk a little bit also about your experience stopping birth control and then trying to get pregnant. When did you stop the birth control? Two years ago, I guess? Uh, actually, it was a little bit over two years ago. I was like, hmm, you know what? I'm just going to – my pack ran out. We were moving from San Francisco to Michigan, and so I didn't want to get it refilled because I would have had to see a doctor, and it just wasn't worth it. Um, and I knew that we were going to start trying soon. So I um, 
I was on the birth control pill pretty consistently for about 15 to 17 years. Um, and I, when I came off, I had expected to have a lot of reactions, but I really didn't actually. Um, and I, I had asked my doctor once we moved to Michigan, like, Hey, is there a trial period for when I should, you know, maybe expect some pregnancy or expect some issues or is it okay for me to start trying right away? And she was like, Oh yeah, it's fine. You know, your body will just bounce right back. You'll have no problems with fertility. You're good. And that was over two years ago now. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So what can you talk about when it comes to birth control and, um, conceiving? Like what, is missing from doctors communicating with us that we really need to know? What would you say to somebody who's getting off the birth, birth control pill and who's in that stage of ready to have a baby and they think that within the next few weeks or months it will happen? What is something that's really important for them to know? So the first thing that I would say is educate yourself. There are so many different books. There are so many different coaches out there um, that really delve into the woman's health aspect of things and, and delve into your hormone balancing. And when you're coming off birth control, that should be, you know, your plan of attack from the get-go. Like, how do I rebalance my hormones? Because basically what birth control does is it knocks them off kilter so you don't ovulate, so you don't have the normal menses that you actually should have. So step one is educate yourself. And step two is become a super advocate for yourself. Um, I'm going to be a little like soapboxy here. Doctors are not going to pay attention to you unless if you're screaming unless if you're like the squeaky wheel, right? And um, I have had some, I have some other health stuff that has come up. Um, I, I have two uteruses actually. Um, and I think that that's actually part of the issue that I'm having with conception. Um, and my doctor has dismissed me several times when I've asked about it. And so I finally am going to see a reproductive endocrinologist to like really double down and make sure that, hey, my architecture down there is actually acceptable for getting pregnant. So um, be your own advocate, get educated. And then lastly, I would say try not to stress out about it too much. I know that that's one of the most infuriating things for someone to say, um, but stress has such an impact on your, your physiology and it can really shut down everything good that your body can do, including digestion or ovulation, any reproductive stuff. Um, I mean, hell, I even lost my period for a little bit because I was so stressed out. So, um, yeah, I would say advocacy, be your own advocate, get information, and try not to stress too much. Yeah, the stress one, we're going to talk a little bit about more and the mindset later. That's huge because I think a lot of people, 
like we tell them don't stress out, but you know, that doesn't really help. So definitely going to get into the nitty gritty of that. But I also wanted to ask you, did you go through any conventional medicine kind of roots uh, when it comes to fertility um, in your own journey? I am just now beginning that. Um, so if you are a woman who is younger than 35 in the United States, a doctor will not touch you unless if you have been actively trying to conceive for a year. They will not send you to any reproductive endocrinologist. They will not send you to any specialist, period. If you are over 35, it will you have six months. And so I have personally elected not to seek additional treatment until recently. I, after my miscarriage, I finally said, you know what? I, I just want to make sure that all my I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And so that was about just under two years of actively trying. Um, and something that I'm actually really kind of surprised about after this long is I'm really nervous about going to talk to the reproductive endocrinologist. I'm really nervous that I'm going to be dismissed again. And I'm really nervous that I will be told, well, you're, you're fine. You just need to have more sex basically. Yeah, and that's something that I think a lot of women deal with, whether it comes to fertility, PCOS, hormonal imbalances, either it's all in your head, you got to lose weight, take the pill, um, or just being dismissed because they don't really know what's happening. Um, and it's obviously frustrating to them too, but they can't give you an answer. So I think that's also a really good point to bring up that sometimes, well, for me too, I've had that. And it's really about finding somebody who you can trust, who's actually going to do the digging as well. And even if you've been with, say, a doctor for years, and you feel uncomfortable about finding somebody else, maybe you feel a little bit nervous about it. I think it's really important to find that person who gets you, who, who will listen to you, who will not dismiss you, who will actually dig. Um, because that's definitely what we all deserve when it comes to our health. We can't, we can do a lot of it by ourselves, like researching and et cetera, but we can't do it all by ourselves. So I think that's also really important just because maybe you've gotten a no or you've been dismissed or you're, somebody's telling you it's all in your head. Um, there are so many other people that you can find out there. So definitely don't stop. And the search which is really, really important for that as well. So I think it's yeah. something really important that we don't usually address. Yeah. Well, and another thing that I, I want to circle back on that you talked about um, earlier was um, they don't know. There's still a lot of like unknowns in women's health in, in the, in the health industry. And, you know, the, the, practice of medicine is that it's practice, right? Like nobody knows for certain. And we have been taught to put so much authority into the medical establishment that they are all knowing that they know everything. So it can be so painful and such a letdown and just like the rug gets pulled out from under you when they say, I don't know, or they dismiss you because they don't know and they don't feel comfortable saying that they don't know. Um, but I, I think that the tides are kind of changing a little bit with that as more women are entering into the medical field. I think that there is more research that's coming up. There's more um, awareness, more advocacy, and we're really entering into a, a different time. And so I hope that, you know, if I have daughters uh, that 
they will have a very different experience of the medical establishment than I do today. Yeah, I think that's really important to note as well. And there definitely is a shift, not just when it comes to women's health, but also when it comes to people are being getting fed up of just getting a pill and being dismissed and not heard. So we're kind of transitioning into more of the holistic healing route, which we've been doing for thousands of years, but we're just almost, you know, rediscovering it now, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But it is nice because people are starting to get fed up of that. So they're looking for an alternative. They're standing up for their health. They're making the changes. Um, So there definitely is a shift for sure. Um, But then I want to talk a little bit about you do coach women with fertility and what would be one of the first steps that you usually address with your clients when it comes to getting pregnant? So one of the first things that I like to talk to a client about is really kind of get where they're at in their journey, right? Because, you know, if this is a woman who is just starting out, she is going to be in a very different mindset and mind space than a woman who has been trying for many years and is just electing not to go the IVF or IUI route. Or maybe she is and she wants to work with me in concert. So um, the first thing that I like to do is find out their history um, and and talk to them about, I guess, like what? where their head is at. Like, are they still in a place of excitement or are they feeling defeated? Are they overwhelmed with the amount of information that is out there on fertility? Uh, And so I start there and then I start educating them on like the basics of fertility because we're not taught that. We don't, we're not taught how to get pregnant. We're taught how not to get pregnant. And so that's the first step. And then if they know a lot about fertility, then it's really just figuring out how to implement the, the items that will boost their fertility in a way that is non-evasive and doesn't make them feel like they are continue to be overwhelmed or, um, or that they just like can't possibly do it. It's too much of a shift. And so I want to talk a little bit about those natural solutions that we can use to boost fertility. What have you found in your research and coaching um, to be some of your favorite recommendations? Or maybe you've seen some success stories too. So the first thing that I think is the most impactful is balancing your blood sugar. Um, This is something that I think is overlooked frequently, and especially in Western culture. we tend to eat a carb heavy diet. Now that's shifting in, in a lot of different circles. Um, but our blood sugar is all over the place. And when our blood sugar is all over the place, then what happens is your body goes into the fight or flight mode and it basically shuts down all unnecessary, um, uh, sorry, my, my, brain just totally went. Um, it'll shut. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, it'll shut down any unnecessary like actions within your body. So reproductive or reproduction, digestion, um, hair growth, I guess is probably another one of those things too. Like things that you just don't even think about. And we have lived in this chronic state of high blood sugar for so long that we generally don't know what it's like to not have high blood sugar Um, or unstable blood sugar is a better way to say that. So 
that's step one. Um, step two is I look at you know, the type of diet that they're doing and, and maybe I can recommend some supplements. I try not to recommend too many because I, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not medically trained and I don't want to, um, give them something that would impact another area of their health. But like generally speaking, a good prenatal vitamin is a good idea. Vitex is another very common uh, supplement for women who are trying to conceive. Um, and then lastly, and it kind of ties back into a little bit of the blood sugar, is make sure that you're eliminating properly. Uh, make sure that you're getting your movement so that you're detoxing out the excess estrogen in your body. Uh, and so you, you detox by sweating and pooping basically. And so make sure that you're eating enough fiber so that you can poop out all the estrogen and then uh, that you're moving so that you can sweat out the estrogen as well. And what are some common errors that you see when it comes to women coming to you with fertility issues, um, difficulty getting pregnant? What are maybe some myths or errors that you see that are coming up a lot? I think a lot is they just don't know enough about their own body. Um, we, we tend to hand over, um, the responsibility of our body to doctors and to other people. And so it's really about reintegrating yourself into your own body, um, and learning the signs of fertility and, and learning, am I really hungry or am I thirsty or am I eating the right foods? Like, is my blood sugar going crazy? That's probably the most common thing I would say. Yeah, I also see that very common. So very important to understand your body and just like the basics, you know, it's it's really addressing the foundations. I think for you dealing with fertility, especially women with fertility issues, me with PCOS, that's usually ties into that too. It's usually the the foundational, you know, things that we have to address, like inflammation, balancing blood sugar, digestion. It's gonna benefit anybody. So even if you tell somebody who has diabetes or cardiovascular disease or infertility, look at your digestion, heal the gut, lower inflammation, balance your blood sugar, it's going to benefit them anyway, right? So those yeah. are definitely the foundations. Um, and then I definitely want to dive into the mindset because I think this is something that's not really discussed a lot with fertility. Um, mindset, you know, anxiety, mood disorders, depression is something that was really taboo a few years ago, but now it's nice to see that people are speaking up, like it's, it's something that's more acceptable. But around fertility, I think there is still a lot of struggle, as we kind of talked about before the pressure of getting pregnant, especially after the 30 year old range, I think there's a lot of pressure because we just have the ticking clock, you know, in our minds where, okay, maybe we don't have much time left, we got to get on this, and then the stress kicks in and the overwhelm, etc. So you talked a little bit at first about your mindset around conceiving and, you know, being kind of in the desperation mode. Um, so where did you see that shift and how did you shift from that desperation despair mode into a different mindset? So um, one of the things that I want to talk about really quickly is you called out specifically women um, above 30. And I think that it's all women in general that have this like intense desperation once they decide to 
start trying to conceive. Uh, because I think that as women, we are taught that this is what we're, our value is. We're taught our value is to be a mom and our value is to be a vixen. Our value is to be a wife and, and a good wife provides children for the marriage. Um, and oh gosh, for me, when I started releasing the, the despair of it all of, and like just the intense emotions of trying to conceive, I, I, well, I took a hard look at it, I guess is the best way to say it. I took a hard look at it and I said, am I still a woman if I don't have a child or if I need help or, um, am I still a good wife if I can't provide a baby to my husband naturally? And, you know, those are archaic ways of thinking, but I think that they're so deeply ingrained in us and they're so deeply ingrained in our culture that it can be a very difficult thing to step back and really look at that. And I realized my relationship with my husband has nothing to do with me producing a, a child. We will still have a great relationship no matter what. Um, and I realized I have the the sex organs of a woman and that does not not having a baby or not being able to get pregnant does not make me any less woman. Um, and I realized my value is not placed in, in motherhood. My value is placed in me and who I decide to be. And once I started really saying, no, my value is not outside of me. My values in me is when I was able to take a step back and not feel so intense around pregnancy. Um, and another thing that I want to talk about too, is like when you are going through your, your fertility journey, you have so many hormones going through your body. Um, after my miscarriage, I did not feel like myself. I had anxiety and I am not an anxious person, but I had full-blown anxiety for about two months where I thought I was going to get fired from my job. I thought that I was um, going to, like, I was just afraid. I don't, I can't even describe it. Like I would be up at night thinking about the worst case scenarios of anything. And it really hit home to me that, holy cow, the hormones, you hear about how they can control our moods and how they can like just be so overwhelming. And I hadn't really experienced it and I hadn't really observed it until that moment, until that time. And um, so knowing that the feelings are visitors, they're not who you are is another thing too. Yeah. Oh my God. So many things to say about what you just said. I think it was really beautiful what you just said as well, like about the femininity and kind of, you know, finding that worthiness as a woman, but there's that kind of ingrained um, thinking in us that we need to provide, we need to, you know, have kids, et cetera, especially when it comes to feeling worthy in your relationship. I think that's a big thing that, I mean, I can't relate, but definitely other women can relate and it's definitely not talked about at all. Um, but did you have like a trigger that kind of shifted your mindset? Because we can kind of think about this and agree with it, but we, it's pretty hard. I think, especially if you're in that 
phase of overwhelm and you know depression anxiety or desperation to go from that stage to feeling worthy like it's a big jump you know yeah you know i've been thinking about that and when was that moment and i just remember being so tired and over feeling overwhelmed and confused and hopeless and um and like, I, I, I just don't even remember saying one day, nope, I'm done. I'm done with those emotions and I'm going to try a new way of being. I think for me, gosh, yeah, no, it, it was just like a bunch of small steps into this direction and just acceptance on who I am and what I'm here for. And that might not be being a mom. It might be helping other women be moms, become moms. Right. Yeah. Finding that worthiness in your own person and finding even like your why. I think a why is a big thing for a lot of people, whether it be you're struggling with fertility or other issues. Um, But for me as well, when it came to my own struggles, there is a point where for change to happen, you usually have to be shit usually hits the fan because you're just sick of it. Like you're just, I cannot live one more day like this. And that's the thing about change. Like usually we stay in these uncomfortable situations, whatever situation it is, um, because it's actually comfortable. That's the comfort zone. But until we're actually pushed to the limit, there's usually not change that's going to occur. So I definitely agree with that, but it's the baby steps as well. Um, And then there's also, I want to talk a little bit about, the overwhelm of getting pregnant because I think there's a lot of overwhelm with the information out there, the nutrition, the lifestyle, the supplements, the whatever conventional solutions, the natural solutions, the tracking, the understanding your cycle. Um, And I'm guessing you can relate to that too, especially in the early stages. I'm guessing there are a lot of strategies around that. Uh, What did that kind of look like and how did you shift it? Did you shift it to make it not as overwhelming to kind of simplify things around getting pregnant? So the first thing that I started doing is I, after I got all the information and like just became obsessed with obtaining information, I started looking at that information and comparing it to my body and seeing what felt right. Um, Like the day 14 ovulation, that's not something that felt right because it, it, it doesn't happen on day 14 for me. Um, And so I just totally lost what your question was. <laughs> I mean, too. I'm glad I wrote it down. So the overwhelm of getting pregnant, um, oh. um, maybe like the strategies at the beginning changed to more simplified strategies now. Like how did that kind of look like? Yeah. So um, I started, I took all the information that I received or that I, I gathered And I started looking at that and comparing it to my body and saying, this felt right. This doesn't feel right. Day 14 of ovulation is one of those things that did not feel right to me in my body. Um, And so I was able to take like this massive amount of information and really dial it in onto what works for me and what works for my body. And I think that that's the, the shift that a lot of women need to look at is instead of applying their body to the information available, 
do it the other way around. Apply the information to your body. Um, and that, that will start help, help you like dial back the overwhelm and start help you, um, like just learn your body more. And once you know your body, once you know you, nothing's going to shake you or it's a lot harder too. It's really being, becoming more intuitive. I mean, our body has this amazing capacity, ability to heal, from whatever it is we're dealing with. Um, and we just, we don't even realize how intelligent our body is. So I think a lot of us have kind of forgotten about that. Like we're almost like robots. So yeah, I think that's really important to, you know, look at the inside, kind of become more intuitive. Um, but I also want to ask you, are there any tools that helped you with developing the mindset and going from that as we mentioned, the shift from desperation, despair to a more hopeful state? Were there any books or, I don't know, coaches, recordings, information, anything that really helped you? So the first book that I read uh, that really made sense to me was Flow Living by Alyssa Vitti. You're nodding your head. You're like, yep, yep. I know that I one. I love that book. I love her. I know. <laughs> no. um, so that was probably the first book that made sense to me. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's woman code, not flow living. Flow living is her, her separate business. Totally. Excuse me. Um, and then, um, I, I really got into meditation. I started actually doing things for me rather than for getting pregnant. And what I mean by that is I, um, I signed up for a yoga teacher training course. I had always wanted to do that. And I had been telling myself that I didn't have the time or that, you know, if I got pregnant during it, then I wouldn't be able to participate. And I, I had done that a lot where I said, oh, well, I can't participate in this because I might get pregnant um, before I was even pregnant. So like just, I, I couldn't even take the first steps. And so I started, um, living for me and living, making the choices based on the information that I have now, not based on what may happen in the future. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think this is something that a lot of women can relate to and that can really help a lot of women, especially with dealing with the mindset around pregnancy. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, I'd love for you to share with my listeners where we can find you, follow you, stalk you. Um, what are, what's going on? What are you doing right now? please stalk me. Um, No, I'm kidding. That might be a little creepy. (laughs) Stalk me on the gram is the best way to find me. So um, my handle is Jess Milanis, J-E-S-S-M-I-L-A-N-E-S. I am pretty active on there. I am also kind of active on Facebook. Um, same name, Jess Milanis. Uh, you can also find me on my website at www.jessmilanis.com. Are you seeing a theme here? Try to make it. Mm-hmm. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but by far in everything, I am most active on Instagram. Um, and I try to put out some really good content there every single day uh, that is informational or inspiring um, or relatable so come check me out there would love to hear from you guys yes I definitely encourage anybody to follow her I love her stuff on Instagram especially if you're dealing with this kind of stuff that we've talked about today a lot of information there um, 
really good stuff. And then she also has her podcast. So that's all the links will be in the show notes. So you can click on all of it and follow her. So thank you again, Jess, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you.